Welcome to Three Arch Bay in South Laguna, California. It is sunset and 70 degrees. The surf break right now is secluded and perfect. That rock right behind me is where I told my wife I loved her for the very first time. I know, so adorable. I've been called the most romantic pastor of my time. At least that's what I'm known as around my house, self-proclaimed by myself, but it's not about me, guys. It's about God. Anyways, in my opinion, this place is the closest thing to heaven this side of eternity. Revelation chapter 21 says this, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. He will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, behold, I am making all things new. So I used to have a fear. There's a technical name for it. It's called aronophobia, and it's actually the fear of heaven. And it sort of comes from this idea that one day when I die, I will spend the rest of forever as a chubby baby wearing holy huggies, sitting on top of a white fluffy cloud with my harp, singing hymns and singing, how great is our God for the next 20 trillion years. And I love that song and I love Jesus, but to me that does not sound like heaven. That sounds a little bit more like the other place. And so thank you, God, that that's not the biblical picture of eternity. Because remember, Jesus did not say, I'm making all new things. He said, I am making all things new. The new earth, the new heavens. One understanding of that is that the new heavens will be this sky, but made new. And the new earth will be this earth, but made new. I've never been there, but I've got a hunch it's going to look and sound and taste and feel and smell a lot more familiar than we think. So C.S. Lewis once said that historically, the Christians who have been the most effective in this life are precisely the same Christians who have thought the most about the next one. I think he might be onto something. I've also noticed the most peaceful and passionate and contagious and courageous and content followers of Jesus are precisely those followers of Jesus who have an eternal perspective. So I try to think about eternity a lot. I try to think about new earth a lot. And when I do, I always picture this place us with God in his beautiful creation made new. Where catch this, there is no more relational strife and there is no jealousy or comparison. There is, there is nobody competing for attention or auditioning to belong. You are completely known in every way and yet unconditionally loved at the exact same time. There's no empty void within you. All you feel is completion in every moment. And there's mountains and there's hiking and there's oceans and beaches and surfing and sunsets and stars and great friendship and good food and storytelling and fun and jobs and passion and callings and fullness. Just life with God in paradise. And catch this church, it's real. 
It's completely real. So you have to hear me say this. Heaven is not just some coping mechanism to help us to help us deal with losing loved ones nor is it this ethereal eternal crutch that makes us feel better about how fleeting and fast and fragile life is it is something so much more real than that the story of this incredible amazing savior god who so loved the world that he left everything to make a way for you so that you could be in heaven with him experiencing all things new. Man, we have no idea what we stand on the brink of. It is more than we could ever comprehend or even begin to fathom. And so hear me say this. Yes, life is hard and life is painful. In fact, Jesus didn't shy away from that. He actually promised it would be. Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble. But he also said, take heart, for I have overcome this world. See, our God has conquered death, which means to live as Christ and to die truly is gain, which means you have nothing to fear and everything to look forward to. And that is the freedom that I want you to feel and experience today. Because this place, as beautiful as it is, is only a taste of what's to come, which means that we don't have to. No, no, no. We get to. We get to live in holy anticipation of what is waiting for us in eternity. And so, from, from Three Arch Bay in South Laguna, this is an eternal perspective from my vantage point. Hey, Red Rocks, help me out here. We exist to make heaven more crowded. Well, today, we are talking about the heaven that we are crowding. Because the truth is, you never actually die. Oh, your body is temporary, but your soul is eternal. And technically, every human being is immortal. All of us are going to live forever for the rest of eternity. And so turn to somebody around you and say, neighbor, Yolof. Yolof. You only live once forever. Today, we are talking about living today with forever in mind. Does that sound good? Are you ready? Okay, give away one wink or two winks depending on how you're feeling. Remind your face you're happy to be alive and then you may be seated. Welcome to Red Rocks Church. And we will begin today by way of visual aid. Oh, this rope just keeps going. Okay, I want you to imagine, use your fantastical divine imaginations right now and imagine that this rope is a timeline of eternity. It just goes on forever and ever and ever. This is your existence, if you will. And this red part right here represents your time on earth. You've got a few short years here, and then you've got the rest of forever somewhere else. So let's say this is my life really quick. So right here, June 20th, 1988, I'm born. Right around here is where I got my tonsils out. This is where I won the spelling bee in third grade. It's not a big deal, you guys. It's not, stop making a big deal out of it. Right here is where Ashley Breen broke my heart in sixth grade. Right here is where I met Ethan. Oh, so much I wish I could tell young Doug, right here. This is where I got saved in college. Right here is where I met my beautiful wife, praise God. This is the year I wrote her 365 love letters. I wrote her every day for a year, church. It wasn't over, it still isn't over. 
And right here is where I kissed her on the dock by the lake in that pouring rainstorm behind the house I built for her with my bare hands. Was that somebody else? Irrelevant, erroneous on all accounts. And then nine months later, there's where Will was born. This is January 6, 2019, Red Rocks Austin is born. Right here is where Kinsley was born, minutes after we get to the hospital. And then right here is where Texas, the Longhorns beat Louisiana 38 to 18. And then I guess right here I'm giving this sermon. And then fast forward, let's say I live to be 85 years old. That would be awesome. So right here I'm golfing a lot more frequently. And then we all gotta die, right? So let's say I'm, I'm super healthy by the grace of God when I'm 85 and I'm surfing that morning and a shark kills me. Oh, I'm dead serious, pun intended. And I make the transition from this life into heaven forever. So here's my question and I wanna make this personal. Why is it that all you think about is this red time? Why is it that Kenny Chesney, those lyrics are so true? Everybody wants to go to heaven. Nobody wants to go now. And I know that's, yeah. I don't need your affirmation. I understand how good I am at that. Um, but I'm telling you, if we knew what was waiting for us, we would. We would live today with forever in mind because the Bible actually teaches us this life is like a mist on a hot summer day in Austin. This life is like that mist at the patio at Velvet Taco, just evaporates like five feet above your head and does nothing. Like dew on the grass that's here in the morning and gone before lunch, this life is so fast and fleeting and fragile, but according to Jesus, very significant because how I live here and what I believe here, and the way I love, the people I love and I reach here, and the ways I give here, and the ways I serve, and the ways I forgive here affects all of this for the rest of forever. Maximus Aurelius said something similar, didn't he? What I do today echoes into eternity. Francis Chan is the goat eternal perspective preacher. And Francis Chan says he gets criticized all the time for thinking way too much about his first 10 billion years in eternity. And his response, he says, in my opinion, people think way too much about their last 10 years here. What was that C.S. Lewis quote? The Christians who are most effective in this life are precisely those who think the most about the next. Living today with forever in mind. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 13 says, but in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward. Is heaven something you are looking forward to? My prayer is that by the end of this, it will be. We are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. And so for week one of Vantage Point, we're gonna call this talk an eternal perspective. So let's pray for that. And then we'll get going. Jesus, give us an eternal perspective. Amen. It was spiritual enough, don't worry. Anybody in here have a bucket list? Let me see you. 
We're my bucket listers, okay? I actually, I have a bucket list. I'm a big bucket list guy. There's tons of stuff I wanna do, places I wanna go, people I wanna meet. Exhibit A, here's my very first bucket list item. I wanna go to the masters, specifically the masters on a Sunday, okay? So if I'm ever, if it's ever masters on a Sunday and I'm not in church, don't cry for me. Don't pity me. Don't even pray for me. Save your prayers. Pray for somebody else. I am doing better than I've ever been, okay? True story. I would actually go to the master's for one Sunday, then be given an honorary master's. <laughs> Is that irresponsible? Don't care. My next item, I want to surf cloud break in Fiji. Now, me, Ryan, and Ethan almost actually did that until one of the local guys asked us this question. He said, hey, when you guys surf, do you ever mess up? I said, what, what do you mean? Well, do you ever fall? Oh, well, well, yeah, all the time. He said, oh yeah, you can't do that. <laughs> well, what do you mean? Oh, you die. <laughs> I said, oh, gotcha, okay, this isn't a cute little four foot wave in Laguna Beach. That thing is 25 feet high and a coral reef is three feet beneath the surface of the water. If you surf that and fall, you will die. Apparently, this is not one of those get out of the boat situations Jesus was talking about. And it was actually the very first mature decision, Ryan, that you, me, and Ethan made. I'm, I'm very proud of us. We never did that. We did, however, go cage diving with sharks. We did. And statistics say the two greatest fears humans have is public speaking and sharks. So either everybody else is delusional or it's just me because I'll public speak to sharks, okay? I don't care. <laughs> now, spiders, don't get me started. I hate that I even said the word spiders. Some of you feel like something's crawling on you right now. But sharks and public speaking, no big deal. It is what it is. And then finally, I want to own this beach house right there from that video you just saw. It's just a, it's a modest three-bedroom um, a decent location, and so I am utilizing this platform to network right now. If you have connections, please email me because what I'm realizing is if I ever own that, it's, it, it's gonna be a God thing. It's not gonna be a, hey, just save up and buy it kind of thing, okay? And just so you know, uh, like any house on the cliffs overlooking the ocean is fine. I'm not picky, church. I've, just, I've got so many things on my list. I want to take Sam to Milford Sound in New Zealand and see where they film Lord of the Rings. I want to go to Scotland and write a sermon in the same coffee shop that J.K. Rowling wrote Harry Potter. I want to play a giant game of hide-and-seek at midnight at Ikea. If anybody has a connection to set that up, that could be our next Red Rocks hangout. I want to do the perfect cartwheel. Thank you, Creed, from The Office. If you've seen me cartwheel, you know that is probably the last thing I might do if we get to it. I want to take Sam to Iceland to see the northern lights. I want to scuba dive at the Great Barrier Reef. I've got places I want to go, church. I've got things I want to do. I've got people I want to meet. I've got life I want to live. But there is just so little time. Or is there? Or is there? That's my question. Let's talk about what heaven's gonna be like. If you have your notebooks or your journals or the note app on your phone, get those out because we are gonna do seven minutes of theology about heaven. Seven minutes in heaven, scripturally speaking, okay? And just so you know, this is a quick crash course. So if we get to the end of this seven minutes and you don't think I did this topic justice, I agree with you, okay? So here we go, seven minutes in heaven, scripturally speaking. The first thing I want you to do is erase everything you think you know 
about eternity. Because most of what we believe is based on cliches that we say or ethereal paintings we've seen or ambiguous poetry we were forced to read in high school or the Looney Tunes. And most of it is wrong. Biblically, the real thing is so much better. So here we go, back to the very beginning, the first verse in the Bible, Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God made the heavens and the earth. By the way, he made the heavens and the earth by his word, by speaking, and he called it good, but then sin happened. And what we have now is what's referred to as the present heaven and the present earth. And they both need to be made new. 2 Peter 3, verse 7 says, By that same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. So notice, not total destruction. Fire speaks to refinement by the destruction only of everything that is ungodly. The entire story, like the Bible is the story of redemption, not of a people after God, but a God who is after his people. So what comes next is verse 13 once again. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward. We are eagerly looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. The kingdom is marked by righteousness, peace, and joy. And so notice one thing. This is not evacuation theology, where Jesus blows the entire thing up and starts over. What's that song? It's the end of the world as we what? As we know it. That is actually not entirely true. Remember, Jesus did not say in Revelation 21 that he's making all new things. He said he's making all things new. Why is that important? It's important because if Jesus was just going to blow it up and make all new things, then that means Satan wins round one. As if God is saying, well, it was awesome until that sneaky serpent ruined everything. So, you know, scratch that. Let's try this again. This time, no snakes and no apples. But church, this is not a divine duel where God and Satan are punching it out in the octagon. The battle has been won, the lamb has overcome, and even with the most crazy good imagination, it is impossible. It is impossible to make Satan and all of his powers small enough when standing next to the majesty and significance and holiness and magnitude of our God. And he will not be bested. He called his creation good. And when Jesus returns and at the resurrection of the dead, dead through a process of refinement by fire and the destruction of everything that is ungodly, Jesus will redeem and restore his original creation once and for all. And if that doesn't get you fired up to make heaven more crowded, I don't know what will. Two and a half more minutes of theology. So what happens then to our, our loved ones in the meantime? Right now, they are in the presence of God, in the current heaven, until the new earth and the new heaven. 
That's why Jesus can say to the criminal on the cross next to him, today you will be with me in paradise. So there is something coming, but there is also something today. Randy Alcorn says this in his brilliant book that I recommend, a book called Heaven. He says, the present heaven is a temporary residence where the departed saints live until the return of Christ and our bodily resurrection, the eternal heaven, the new earth. Somebody say new earth. The new earth is our true home. And when that day comes, we will also get new physical resurrected bodies. 2 Corinthians 5.3. We will put on heavenly bodies. We will not be spirits without bodies. So that's good news. Apparently you're not gonna be, like, be a floating spiritual orb bumping into other floating spiritual orbs for the rest of forever. And more good news, you're not gonna be a chubby baby playing a harp on a white fluffy cloud for the next 10 trillion years. Now, how do I know that? Because of Jesus. Because we have on record a man who walked his bad self out of his grave with his brand new resurrected body and hung out with 500 eyewitnesses for 40 days. And Philippians 3.21 says this, our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly, say eagerly, we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under control will transform our lowly bodies. Just look at me and think lowly body so that they will be like his glorious body. After his resurrection, Jesus had skin. Jesus had bones. Jesus could touch and feel. He gives a hug to Mary Magdalene. He walks through a wall. I mean, that's some Dr. Strange stuff going on there. Very supernatural, but also very natural and physical at the same time. Alcorn says, everything you love about your body now will be restored to you, except this time there will be no death or decay. So that receding hairline, bam, gone. No more acne, no more wrinkles, no more migraines or headaches, no more checkups at the dentist because cavities don't exist in heaven. And that's speculation, but I'm confident enough to say it. Imagine just being in love with being yourself uniquely you on a new earth that looks and smells and tastes and feels and sounds a lot more familiar than we think. There will be hiking and running and laughing and maybe most important, eating. Exhibit A, Jesus cooks breakfast on the beach for his best friends in John chapter one with his resurrected body, okay? Matthew eight eleven says this. I tell you this, that many Gentiles will come from all over the world, from the east and the west, and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob at the feast in the kingdom of heaven. Now check out Isaiah 25, six. This might be my next tattoo, one of the greatest new verses I've ever read. In Jerusalem, that's the new Jerusalem, the Lord of heaven's armies will spread out a wonderful feast for all the people. It will be a delicious banquet with clear, well-aged wine. Don't worry, that's just for the antioxidants. And what does that say? And choice meat. 
Oh, come on, that is so good. We have a party-throwing God who wants his table full. And this, church, is what we are looking forward to, that Revelation 21 and 22 is a purpose-driven parallel to Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, where a present and current heaven and earth become a new heaven and a new earth. And for that reason, you actually don't need to finish your bucket list this side of eternity. If you think hiking is awesome now, you just wait till you have resurrected legs and the mountains are more majestic and there are colors that you've never seen before. If you think the starry night sky is, is amazing now and sunsets are beautiful now, if you, if you like listening to music now, if you think the ocean is powerful now, if you enjoy eating and drinking and laughing with good friends and family now, you just wait until you and everybody around you has a redeemed and renewed mind and a completed soul and spirit in a resurrected body where insecurity is a memory, death is a memory, and there's nobody auditioning for a place in the room. Nobody's competing for attention. There's no conflict. There's no relational strife. Nobody's got to be anywhere else. Nobody's worried about tomorrow. Just us with God in paradise, enjoying all things new. And it's so real. It's real. And my hope was for anybody who maybe has lost a loved one recently. Or maybe you're, you're afraid of the great unknown. I hope that you find some peace, and not just peace, but some exhilaration from what we eagerly get to anticipate. And if you wanna know more about this, I would recommend Randy Alcorn's book, Heaven. And I think that's why I wanted to give you my vantage point from Three Arch Beach for week one of this collection of talks because, I mean, we all worry about dying. Maybe you think about it a lot more since the, the pandemic started. Um, I think about it. I worry about leaving my wife and leaving my kids. And um, I wonder where my loved ones are when I miss them and especially get sometimes anxious when I have the wrong view <laughs> of what heaven is. When we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing your praise than when we first begun. I sing that and I go, oh God, that's so much singing. <laughs> like that actually gets me. <laughs> and when I start to worry, I, I pray about it because if it's big enough to worry about, it's big enough to pray about. And Three Arch Beach is often where I go in my prayers or where God takes me in my prayers maybe to remind me that the, the best day in this life pales in comparison to the most ordinary day of what is waiting for you in eternity. I picture that beach, something familiar, something I enjoy with my five redeemed and resurrected senses. You'll recognize loved ones, friends. I'll know Sam and Will and Kinsley, you will love, you will be loved, you will, you will work, but with no more toil or curse, but in a way that you enjoy with passion and, and purpose. And, and God says, and I will be with you 
and I'll wipe every tear from your eyes and I'll wipe every tear from Kinsley's eyes. No more fear, no more loss, no more stress, no more sleepless nights, no more abuse or racism or injustice, just harmony and completion and fullness and the rest of forever to get to that bucket list. Oh, you have nothing to fear and everything to look forward to, church, and that right there is the freedom I want you to feel and experience today, that we don't have to, we get to. We get to live in holy anticipation of what is waiting for us for the rest of eternity. I hope that gets downloaded into your soul like a revelation that sets you free, that I get to live today with forever in mind, that instead of fearing eternity, what if I made friends with it? I bet you the outcome of that would be two things. Number one, less fear and more excitement. Less fear and more excitement excitement. The Apostle Paul understood this better than anybody, didn't he? What did he say? What's that famous coffee cup verse? To live is Christ and to die is what? To die is gain. I don't know if you've ever actually thought about, thought about that verse. To die is gain. Like, uh, are you serious? Paul would go on to say, hey, it's, it's better to depart, man. <laughs> I love you guys. Better to get out of here. <laughs> I mean, my, my job this church, my wife, my kids, my calling, my life, it's about the kingdom of God. When my time is up, let me go. Better to get out of here. Go read Philippians. Paul is in like this golem eternal battle with himself, going back and forth, just bipolar. Like, oh, I just, I wanna die so bad, but it's good for me to be here. Being here is awesome too. And it means fruitful labor, and it's good for you that I'm here. Oh, but heaven, but Jesus, uh, you know what? No, this is good. I should be here. Oh, but dying. <laughs> to live is Christ and to die is gain. Paul has made friends with forever and that vantage point has made him absolutely untouchable and completely free. Hey, Paul, we'll kill you. Oh, to die is gain. Right on, man. Okay, fine. I guess we'll let you live. Oh, to live is Christ. I see what you did. Good idea, guys. I mean, if you hated the gospel... How frustrating is this man? All right, fine, we'll, we'll, we'll torture you. Oh, blessed are the persecuted, more rewards in heaven. Good idea, guys. I love it, bring it on. All right, well, prison, Paul, it's the dungeons for you. Okay, as long as you don't mind if I sing while I'm down there and convert every single one of your guards because for me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. He was completely untouchable, completely free with that kind of vantage point and eternal mindset. You live with less fear and more excitement. Pastor Matt Chandler in Dallas said, when I die, don't cry for me because I'll be home. D.O. Moody said, when I take my final breath, don't pity me, for I will be more alive than I've ever been. I think of Lazarus, who was dead for four days until Jesus showed up and told him to stop being dead. I mean, for the rest of his life, you think Lazarus was afraid of anything? Hey, Lazarus, we'll kill you. Oh, death? Yeah, been there, done that. It's actually awesome, okay? He was completely free. Church, heaven is not just some coping mechanism to help us deal with the pain and heartbreak of losing people that we love. 
nor is it this eternal ethereal crutch that helps us feel better about how fast and fleeting and fragile life is. It is real. It is close. It is more familiar than you know. And the more you think on it, the more you start to live today with forever in mind. And the more your fear goes down and the more your excitement and anticipation for what's to come goes up. And number two, less apathy and more urgency. Eternal perspective Christians don't get bored. So this is where I stood the day that I found that out. This is Summit County Medical Center in Breckenridge. And earlier that day, that afternoon, I was snowboarding with my best friend Colin down one of the back holes and January 3rd, 2008, actually the last time I've been snowboarding. We were racing and we were, we were going so fast and Colin was right in front of me and uh, we came up on this lip and as soon as he got to the top of the lip, I could tell something was, was wrong. And it turns out right behind that lip in a blind spot, there was a girl who had just torn her ACL and she was stuck. And Colin, um, to save her life, wiped out on purpose. And he, he went, he wiped out right and I wiped out left. And he went head first into a tree. And uh, when I went up there, he was unconscious. Um, I didn't know what to do, right? I ran out into the middle of the, the slope and there's nobody, nobody. I hadn't seen another soul for 10 minutes. But then there was one person coming down. I waved him down and he, he stopped and turns out he was an ER doctor. Um, so long story short, uh, Colin, um, was in a coma, and an hour later, I stood right there with the chaplain from this hospital and watched that helicopter fly away. And in a way that I actually appreciated, the chaplain, who I'm convinced was an angel, was very honest with me, and he said, hey, man, um, you need to know there's a chance, maybe a good chance, that your friend is not gonna make it through this flight to the hospital they were trying to get him to in Denver. He said, but we can pray, let's pray. And I remember just wanting to do something to help, right? I, I, I remember not breaking eye contact with the helicopter until it went over that mountain. In the moments of desperation, I just thought, if I can just follow this helicopter and not even blink, I can somehow help him, you know? Um, and then the chaplain turned to me and he said, uh, what do you believe about Jesus? And uh, um, for me, I've known my entire life, deep down, this God thing is real. I just didn't live that way, I, I ignored it. Um, but that afternoon, Colin stood on the brink of eternity. The one breath that you get between the 
the red tape and the white rope. But really, in reality, all of us stand on the brink of eternity at every single moment, even right now. Not just during a pandemic, always. And every, every person is living for eternity somewhere, right? And that was, uh, I guess, my, my vantage point is that. Where I sobered up to this for the very first time in my life. And Colin was in a coma for two months, um, but he lived. He suffered a, a severe subdural hematoma that caused brain damage that changed his personality, but he's alive, which means I get to know him and share Jesus with him. And um, I guess you, you just, you never know, you know, when that time is up. That's why the Bible says today is the day of salvation. And you never know when Jesus is coming back. And a few years ago, I invited Colin to church uh, which still wasn't his thing yet. And I said, hey man, I'm, I'm preaching and I'm gonna share a little bit of that story from Breckenridge that he doesn't remember. Um, I said, will you come? And he came and it was outside in this big amphitheater in Colorado. He sat, he sat about five rows up on the left side and got to share the gospel and talk about Jesus. And, and he... He surrendered his soul and gave his life to Jesus that day. And, um, and on new earth, I promise you, he won't have brain damage. And on new earth, I promise you, there won't be cancer. There won't be disease. There won't, won't be this chronic low-grade anxiety or corporate global hysteria. There won't be. Less apathy, church, more urgency for that. Spurgeon said, how precious must a soul be if both God and Satan want it. Eternal perspective Christians don't get bored. I checked the stats this week, this is crazy. The mortality rate in the United States, 100%. 100%, all of us will die. This current skin, this current bones is just a rental. None of us make it out of this thing alive, which means it is a big deal what we get to do here. It's a big deal that we're building the local church, which is God's plan A for reaching a world full of people who don't yet know him. And the more you think about that, and the more like C.S. Lewis said that you meditate and dwell and pray about the next life. Oh, the more your soul begins to wake up, the more effective you become in this one. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So what do we do? We fix our eyes. That's what we're doing here today in just a few moments in worship. We are fixing our eyes, not on what is seen. It's my sincere prayer that our grip on everything that we can see would just be loosened a little bit more today. We don't fix our eyes on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is only temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. What is seen is temporary. 
what is unseen is eternal. Live today with forever in mind. Because as you do that, you start to see everything about today from a different vantage point, including trials, by the way. With an eternal perspective, pain is still very painful, but pain is not pointless with an eternal perspective. God uses what the enemy meant for evil, he uses it for good. And he uses pain on purpose to make you more mature and complete for the rest of forever, lacking nothing. With an eternal perspective, generosity and sacrifice become our, our privilege, right? When I eagerly look forward to heaven, everything that you have in this life now just becomes house money, which means I don't have to, I, I now get to. I get to give knowing I will reap a hundred times for the rest of forever, whatever I sowed in the present age. We get to live in holy anticipation of what is waiting for us in new earth for the rest of eternity. And that kind of perspective, just like Paul, makes you free. It makes you untouchable. That's the kind of vantage point that, by the way, is the closest thing to being invincible that we have. To live as Christ, to die as gain. That's called being invincible. So let us never live as if the purpose of this life is to arrive safely at death one day because death is not the end. Oh no, it's just the beginning. So we fix our eyes on the one who has overcome this world, amen? Hey church, will you guys stand? And let's just have a moment really quick, just for you, if everybody in here would just bow your heads and close your eyes. Um, just you and God, your rope and your timeline, your eternal existence. I wanna ask you a question because Jesus said to the thief on the cross next to him, he said, today you will be with me in paradise. No religion, no resume, just relationship. No contribution, just a confession. So I wanna ask you the same question the chaplain in Breckenridge asked me, who is Jesus to you? Today is the day of salvation. And God wants you more than you could ever know. And this decision is everything. And if you just wanna make today your day and say, Jesus, Take my sin and give me your righteousness. I make you my Lord and Savior. Would you just be bold right now and just raise your hand? I'd love to pray for you. Amen. 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 Thank you. You can, you can put your hand down. Man, to say, you know what, guys? Let's uh, open your eyes. I want us to, let's celebrate and make some noise because heaven just got more crowded. And to say... To say that everything about your life has changed or to say that that was the most significant decision you'll ever make is the understatement of the entire century. And so congratulations to you and God does not want you to follow Jesus by yourself. You have to follow him for yourself. You're not designed to follow him by
by yourself. That's why he gives us family and community. And so before you walk out of here, please come talk to one of us. I'd love to, to say congratulations, give you a hug, a high five, or, or just a wink, your choice, whatever you want. But for the rest of us, you guys, we're about to worship and I've been praying for this all week. It's my sincere prayer as we worship that you would fix your eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, on what is eternal. And that as you do that, I'm praying that your heart would come alive, that fear and apathy would melt away and give way to urgency and excitement and exhilaration rising up for what we really do have waiting for us for the rest of eternity, that we would sing and worship today with forever in mind because like we just read scripture says oh no eye has seen church no ear has heard and no mind can even comprehend or begin to imagine the things that Jesus has prepared for those who love him and so right here and right now let's worship and join in with a million angels echoing holy is the Lord so Jesus we love you so much I pray, Holy Spirit, that your presence would just join us in this place. I pray today that you would loosen our grip on everything that we're holding on to that we can see in front of us, everything that is seen and temporary. And God, would you make what is forever and what is eternal a little bit more real for us today? That fear about the great unknown would go away and it would make a space for excitement and exhilaration and anticipation to take its place. That I cannot believe what I'm looking forward to. That I don't have to worship, I get to worship because heaven is here and now. And so we eagerly look forward to the day, Jesus, that you come back and you make all things new. The day of the resurrection of the dead when we worship once again with clear minds, redeemed souls, and resurrected bodies in Jesus' name. Amen.